Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. Uh, so good to be here with you. So uh, anybody who's been watching uh, knows that I like to assign one word or a phrase to the episode uh, that we're about to have. And that word today is critical. So for over 20 years now, we've been talking about <clears throat> smart buildings. And I don't mean you know clunky old building automation of the 70s and 80s. I mean open, integrated, interoperable, IP-centric, next-generation smart buildings. And uh, if you, as you can imagine, putting a network in a building and then attaching all sorts of different disparate devices and normalizing the data and standardizing the data flow and connecting them to various applications is not an easy task. And so you can conceptualize what a smart building is and understand that there's energy savings, there's um, the savings on operations, there's better experiences for tenants. So conceptually, most people don't have a problem saying, I want to move towards a smart building. But the devil is in the details. And how does that happen? Well, today's show is uh, going to introduce you to the people that make that happen. And it's not, um, it's not an easy task. It's not for the faint of heart. You need to have experience. You need to be logical. You need to be pragmatic. You need to understand business. You need to understand technology. You need to be able to listen. You need to be able to push back when the tenants or the clients don't understand something. Um, being a systems integrator, or we're going to talk today about being a master systems integrator, deploy uh, and implement a smart building strategy uh, is not easy, but we got the folks here today. We're going to talk about what it takes to be a systems integrator and how that market is changing. So with that, I'd like to bring on our two great guests, um, Doc Cochran, president of Cochran Engineering, and Donnie Walker, partner. Uh, Donnie, I just went blank on your company. I'm sorry. Uh, Newcomb and Boyd. Newcomb and Boyd, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and, and I should know better because you've been part of our community for 15 plus years. Um, guys, um, so good to have you and, and for taking the time uh, to you know sit back, relax, uh, turn off the cell phone and try to understand what is at the heart of being a master systems integrator that can actually deploy and help a customer implement a smart building. Um, it is not an easy task. It's not an easy conversation. And hopefully in the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're gonna try to uh, make it a little bit easier to understand for our audience. So um, with that, Scott, uh, give a little bit more detailed background so folks have an understanding of where you're coming from. So yeah, Jim, thanks for having me and um, glad to be here. So Scott Cochran, Cochran Supply and Engineering, we're, um, we are a building controls distributor. And um, I've been in the business for over 25 years. Um, and my primary role has been to help contractors uh, learn, evolve, bring new technology in and get it in the building successfully is what we really focus on. Uh, we love technology here at Cochran Supply and we we have a whole team of IT folks here who help the contractors and develop software and test new theories. And we do all sorts of fun stuff here to help help push this push this industry along. And um, happy to be here to help support the conversation, Jim, as always. So and and yeah, I believe your dad started your company 50 plus years ago, correct? Exactly right. I'm second generation. My dad was actually one of uh, he was at Honeywell in the 60s when Honeywell decided to actually start, you know, in those days you call Honeywell and a Honeywell truck shows up at your building to put it in. And, and my dad was there when they decided to start working with independent mechanical contractors. 
and 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 start to sell pneumatic controls to them back in those days. So, so, so we've been here since the start of the independent <laughs> controls contractor. We kind of were right there at the start of it. So, so, so when we get to the question of how has this industry changed, I'm sure you're going to have some comments. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Donnie, uh, I, I, you don't look like you're old enough to be in the industry 50 years, but uh, you have been with this community for a long time. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about your experience? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I lead our uh, technology group, um, you know, the traditional IT, AV, security, all of those uh, areas. And it was about 15 years ago that we started our intelligent buildings group because uh, as a large MEP firm, we realized that the, the design of building automation systems and integrated buildings was really hamstrung by the proprietary models that the industry had. And, and they had them for good reason that those companies had to develop how to do digital controls and, and each one did it a little bit different. And so it wasn't until the industry evolved enough to say, well, there needs to be a standardized way to do it. And for us to take it to the next level that really needs to be designed and not just led by uh, the, the installing contractor. Um, and so we put that team together, integrated mechanical engineers, commissioning engineers, network engineers, and said, let's really focus on the, the best approach to design smart buildings and all of the uh you know tangential ties to all of the different systems and, and it Did, still is one of the one of the issues with the industry today is how to bring all that together because we're very purposefully siloed in the construction industry right did you um go to college with the intent of being a senior executive in this industry i I pretty much did. Um, I went into the electrical engineering field uh, at Georgia Tech, and then I also got a kind of dual major in the communication side. And so where I saw people that were doing uh, design engineering for electrical systems, I said, I want to I be in that field, but I want to bring the technology side to it. Okay. That's, I mean, there are a certain percentage of people in our industry, you know, probably a smaller percentage know what they want and then evolve into this industry. It's interesting to, to know that you wanted to do this right from the very beginning and you could find the curriculum to support it. Um, we don't we don't see a lot of that. People you know, come out of general engineering fields and then migrate into our space. Um, That's true. Which which we have to change, by the way, because we have a growing demand for you know systems integrators and engineers. And, and when they come out of college, they don't have specific skills as it relates to our industry. Um, all right, Scott, back to you. Uh, yeah, let's not take too much time because I'm assuming most of our audience knows the answer to this, but you know, 30,000 foot, what is a systems integrator? And then maybe we'll go to Donnie and say, what's a master systems integrator? Well, Jim, a systems integrator in the, in the term that we're talking, and, and mind you, a lot of industries have systems integrators in it. And a, a general way to think of a systems integrator is essentially a, it's a contractor or a company um, with the goal of combining technology in, into a single software platform or into a, if you may, a, a, a single service that, that has multiple systems communicating to it, right? Um, originally, an HVAC contractor would put in an HVAC system and all the components maybe would typically come from the same manufacturer, but equipment design, um, um, the, the HVAC designs have, have changed and as such, um, even an HVAC contractor today will will typically to make the control system work together. We'll have to integrate multiple manufacturers together to to get them to work together in a building right. already. Right, that's pretty commonplace. And then 
And then from there, the systems integrators, they have to, they have to connect that to the network, right? So they have to be able to do IT things um, as well, because all that building information typically gets to the building owner through a network now, right? right, right. So there's this IT component as well. So that's what they really do. They, they combine the data and they bring it together on a network and they make that available for the services that manage the building. Yeah, so it's pretty safe to say if a building owner, operator, service provider, tenant, uh, you know, uh, user decides that they want to go for a smart building, there's no way they get to the end of that uh, line without working with a systems integrator who knows what they're talking about. I mean, the core of a smart building is, it is connected, right? it's connected and that connection is complicated, right? Yep. You talk about network connections and, 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 you know, the mechanical, the HVAC contractors dealing with physical elements in the building, and now they're going to connect it to the digital universe. So it's, it, it does require people who understand both to do it successfully. Yeah. And that is really the key to a good systems integrator is to have both those capabilities under that roof. So. Yep. And, and as we add more and more devices, as we'll talk about in a couple minutes, gets even more complicated and more complex. Um, Donnie, before we move on to the next question, um, what's the difference between just a systems integrator and an MSI, which we I think we started using that term about seven, eight years ago. Uh, is there a distinction? Sure. Yeah, I think the definition that Scott just described of a systems integrator, uh, there are many systems integrators on, on almost every project. There's a security systems integrator, AV systems integrator. Sometimes you have different uh, electrical power management systems integrator from your building automation. Um, and so with all of those systems integrator, they all have common needs. And typically that common need is the network itself, the infrastructure, and then the data model of, you know, do I keep all my systems siloed or do they start to share data? And if they do share data, who is determining how that happens. So if everyone just has their own silo, um, there, there's no one to bring all that together. So we, we started seeing the the owners with the frustration of, you know, I've got an IT team, but they're they're really not positioned to manage all of these subcontractors. They're, they're just trying to give the requirements of you know, how to work with us as an entity. And the, the role of the master systems integrator was needed to corral all of those and represent the owner to be able to deliver turnkey buildings and not just deliver a bunch of systems that you hand over to them and say, we'll figure out how to use all these together on your own. Well, if you take, you know, the hundreds of systems in a building, the fact that some of them are 30, 20, 15, 10 years and new, and then you add the IT component, which is, you know, relatively new last five to 10 years. That's a lot of connectivity, a lot of integration, a lot of interoperability. And as I said earlier, it's not for the faint of heart. You've got to know what you're doing. You just got to sure. know what you're doing. Um, so, Scott, back to you, given that your dad started your company 50 plus years ago, how has the industry changed 30 seconds or less? I would say the biggest change is we started in as an integrator, we started supporting integrators tying together like HVAC systems. And, and then they started tying lighting into HVAC and then life safety, security and lighting, right? And integrating all these building services together. But the biggest change we've seen in the, in the last 30 years is the integration to the enterprises of the businesses that are in the buildings that we're mm. putting it in, right? So there are, there's actually two ways to integrate now. There's what I call downward integration into the systems in the building to get the data from them and upward integration into enterprise software that maybe supports business units within the company that you're in the building of, you know, whether it be the finance group or an energy group or an operations group, right? Yeah, so yeah. so those integrations go in, 
are going upward into the network, into other software packages that use the data to provide maybe a function for the business. Another one that comes to my mind is space management, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I mean, I need to reserve that conference room. Well, there's air conditioning in that room. There's lights in that room. There's access control in that room uh, and, and, and others, you know, and so an AV is in that room. Yep. Uh, and so think about if you want a seamless experience when you walk into that room, uh, pretty complicated. Also, Jim, the integration of, of uh, we're seeing a lot more integration into cybersecurity policies and procedures yeah. that are within the networks that we're, you know, in the buildings that we're serving. So, so a lot of integrations, like for instance, like an authentication strategy that's implemented both on the network in the building and on the BAS system, that's an integration of an authentication system that the owner is using, right? So that's another type of integration, believe it or not. So, so we're seeing more and more software integration, right? Um, as time goes on, of course, the hardware integration keeps happening, but more software integration. And as, as you know, because your participation in the real estate cyber consortium, the cyber conversation is getting more and more important every single day, whether it's a disgruntled employee or now enhanced threats from nation states, um, you know, protecting these buildings is first and foremost on every, is becoming first and foremost on everybody's minds. So, um, Donnie, as far as, you know, the old days we connected, Scott just named them nicely, HVAC, lighting, access control. Now we're connecting everything. You know, this whole IOT thing that exploded, you know, five plus years ago. And the idea that, you know, drinking fountains, toilets and parking gates are also devices that could be connected, you know, mechanical systems that could be connected into a building. Tell us about some of the craziest or, or most innovative innovations or innovative things you've seen, you know, in a connected building scenario. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think the space utilization uh, and the advancement of that sensor technology has really helped us a lot in kind of a wild way during uh, COVID. It was counting the people in a restroom and giving you information that the restroom is full so that you don't go in. And, you know, we, we had all kinds of technology that really was positioned to try to um, alleviate concerns from COVID. But, you know, the good thing about it is those sensors are a great technology. We don't really need to count people in restrooms today, but we do need to count people in a lot of our spaces because we're trying to really fine tune our energy savings. And, you know, the HVAC for buildings needs to be tuned to the occupancy and, you know, people counting and tracking is the only way to properly do that. And yeah, we, we came up with a saying a few years ago, big and dumb is out, small and smart is in. Think of, you know, uh, a, a mall where an anchor tenant is, you know, JCPenney Sears, the pressure they've been under and, and those big boxes have now gone into smaller spaces and, and you're getting this combination of real estate and space. So on the utilization standpoint, you know, because of the pandemic, utilization in some of our biggest buildings and some of our biggest cities still isn't back to 50 percent. I mean, on, an, on a five day work week, right? You know, maybe one day a week it hits 50 percent. If we really want to meet the sustainability goals, keep our cities vibrant and make these buildings that were designed 30 years ago relevant again, you're not going to do it without connecting everything in that building. It's just that's right. It's, it's that that flexible work. strategy of being able to reserve desks, reserve conference rooms, really serve exactly what's needed, but optimizing how much you're providing. You know, we're we're definitely seeing the the downsizing of the office space. And then the the right sizing of the amenities to meet the needs of the people that are there. Yep. And then on the operational expense side, you know, as as pressure financial pressure comes on a lot of these real estate owner operators, um, you know, if you used to have a person per building managing it, now with technology, you may be able to have one person 
with some advanced analytics and AI manage five buildings, right? We know we have a we have a shortage of good workers, technical workers in the industry. We know that we're going to be pressured with expenses. Technology is the only way out. Again, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's take a brief break uh, here from one of our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to talk specifically about the Integrator Roundtable and the great things that people are going to be learning and discussing there. We'll be right back. All right, guys, let's um, before I go to the Integrator Roundtable, I want to just spend uh, a minute or two um, on on the one of the other questions we had uh, on the conversation we were having before the break. Um, Scott, on a scale of one to ten. How much has the IT introduction into the building automation industry, um, how much has that impacted the change on a scale of one to 10 in the last five years? Has IT's presence and in integration, you know, very little impact to one, or has it really impacted the trajectory of this industry? Scale of one to 10. It's like a 10, nine and a half, 10. Okay. Uh, the, every conversation changed about even maybe, maybe 10 years ago, even it really, as soon as, um, as an industry, we, we were able to put a web server in a product and put it on a network and give access to that information through a web server. Listen, I mean, good or bad, I, a lot of these things got connected to owners' networks and in collaboration with their IT departments. So, so well, this this has been happening for a long time now, right? Well, and, it, 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 if you just close your eyes and imagine ten building systems. HVAC, lighting, access control, parking, whatever you want to say. And then the, all the different wiring systems that come along with each of those, going back to a proprietary box in some closet. And you just imagine those 10 wires going away, and now they're on one wire, on one right. standard network. Yeah. That, change, that changes. I, I have watched integrators walking into an IT department for the first time and just, you know, having to answer questions from an IT department, you know, um, and over time and, and, those meetings and those challenges and those issues. And boy, I watch them today, some of these integrators and they own it. They own that IT department. They know more about, you know, some of the risks to their system than some of the most, you know, uh, complicated IT departments that we work with, right? So, so I feel like, you know, a lot of them have gotten a lot of experience, more than people think yep. in terms of, of network layer connections and how to help manage and work with IT departments. but. It's every job now, Jim, at like, like 10 years ago, the contractor would put a computer on a desk. They'd run a physical wire to it and nobody, that's it, right? It was yep. done today. They got it. Every job you're meeting with an IT department and you got to understand how to talk to those departments as an integrator today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, I came from IT. So when I saw a building, I looked up at the ceiling and just saw hundred IP addresses. Right. Yep. You know, but, it, but, and, and frankly, that's why we put IBCon right next to Realcom because, you know, that IT department was traditionally just interested in accounting and lease administration and email, you know, document management. Um, we knew someday they were going to have to control the technology or at least be involved in the technology at the building level. And so that's why Realcom is sitting right next to IBCon for yep. you know, more than 10 years now. And we've been trying to combine those conversations more and more, <laughs> Jim. And we have seen more interest there, haven't we, over the last yeah. couple of years? But so. it, is, it is amazing. Even when people are in the same room, getting those conversations, as you know, better than anybody, getting those conversations integrated has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, it really has. But 
slowly but surely, I think we're making some progress. Agreed. All right. Um, let's jump into the integrator roundtable. I think it's 13 years, Howard said, which is crazy that 13 years has gone by. Um, you know, Donnie, I'm going to ask you first. Scott's been involved, I think, since almost the beginning. Um, from your perspective, what, how would you define the integrator, Smart Building Integrator Summit that we hold pre-conference before the conference each year? Um, I would say that the conference is, you know, really for everyone in the ecosystem that is looking to um, either learn how to uh, deploy smart buildings, design smart buildings, or really what it takes to, um, you know, get projects off the ground, manage them and operate them. Um, so, you know, we do focus on the role of the integrator um, because that's really where, um, you know, the, the project happens. But, um, you know, it, to a large degree, it, it's helping us shape the conversation of the, the how and why for, you know, the, the next year. And, and Scott, I mean, I've been into almost, I think, all of them over the years. I pop in and say hello. And, and one of the things that I always kind of try to influence in that, in that one particular forum is bringing in the end user, the client, you know, into the room and let them you know, talk to your audience as if they were a prospect. You know, what, what do you understand? What am I saying wrong? What am I not listening to? What are the goals and the objectives? What am I trying to accomplish? What are my fears? What are my challenges? Has that been effective bringing in those owners and operators and developers into that room? And explain maybe some of the, the success stories that have come as a result of that. Sure. So absolutely, Jim, the owners, that's where it all starts. There's, and Donnie knows this, you can't integrate anything in a building unless the owner wants you to. I mean, it, it, the owner has to have a goal, right? And, um, and, and bringing owners in really helps us understand why, what their goals are and, and how to help meet those goals. And uh, Jim, you've brought in some fantastic folks from Google and Microsoft and I have seen um, both uh, my my integrators whom attended and got information from them. I want, I've, I've heard them shift their strategies based on what some of these very large tech companies decided to do in their buildings, right? And these were takeaways from these meetings where you had those people presenting and they, and they shared that info. And it, it really does... It's very, very powerful to the integrator community to learn this from, you know, from people who are at the forefront of the technology, like the people you work with, Jim. And and by the way, I do remember uh, that, that quite a few contracts uh, to the integrator community have been signed as a result of those yeah, relationships. I don't know for sure, but we definitely have heard of, yeah, some very <laughs> successful people that have spent time at your conferences. And more importantly, they've networked with these people. That's the key. That's Not the really key. You know, it's not really selling to them. It's more just it's more just getting to know them. And and maybe they didn't take advantage of an opportunity in the past because, you know, they didn't know enough or they. And, and so they come to our conference and they learn a little bit. They meet some new people and and maybe they go back to their town and say, hey, you know what? I, other people are doing this in other places. Yeah. Well, and I, and, think, and, and, I think we should try this, you know, so we've seen a lot of that, too. Well, you, 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 you hit upon a huge point. You come to the Integrator Summit, you're with your tribe, you're feeling comfortable. That's just the first step. Right. Prior to that Integrator Roundtable, you should be in the cyber form because if you don't have a cyber strategy as a systems integrator, you're not getting business from any of our folks, okay? And then after the first uh, day pre-conference, then IBCon starts and that's where we dig into all the topics 
you know, like 5G, and I think we're going to run out of time, but I'm hoping we can get the 5G network conversation integrated into the roundtable this year because, boy, I'll tell you, I've been on phone calls every Friday since probably October talking about the complexity of what the building networks are looking like. And P.S., every one of the devices you're going to be expected to connect is going to be running on this new network that's emerging right before our eyes, right? Um, right. But there's there's all these other topics that 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 are you know going to be inside Realcom and Ibicon the two following days, plus the tours, plus the K Best Practice Showcase. Um, this is not a one day event. This is a three and a half day event, and you should stay for every minute of it. You know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's certainly I've I've seen so many companies um, kind of get to the next level by um, coming to the conference, and again just. It, it, it's about hearing, you know, our industry is a small community. We don't have like, we don't have like the five o'clock news of what's going on in our business. Uh, Jim, you do a fantastic job of sharing information with the community. But as you know, you're just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. 25 <laughs> years and we are not a household word. <laughs> I, I, and you know this, Jim, Donnie, you know, Donnie and I have been longtime friends too. We met at these conferences and Donnie yeah. and I have shared I would say hundreds of experiences with each other. Um, I've helped Donnie's business. He's helped mine. And it's all from that networking within that community. And your okay. conference gives everybody a great chance of that, Jim. And I, yeah. I think that's really the key. It is. It's about relationships and community yep. building. The technology yep. is what it is. The buildings are what they are. Without the people making it happen, nothing happens, right? Yeah. So, Donnie, that was kind of Scott's summary. Why don't you give us 30 seconds, you know, thoughts on the Integrated Roundtable, the industry, whatever you want to, to bring your fellow, you know, uh, um, industry folks together. Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, you know, playing on what Scott was just saying, you know, I, I've had countless introductions where someone brings someone over to me and says, Hey, we were just chatting and they didn't realize there was anyone in the industry that does what you do. Tell, t tell them about what you do. And so there, there's so much of that going on where people are coming to, to learn, but then what they find out is, the information I've been getting has been so narrow compared to what's available out there in the industry. So all of that networking with everyone, sharing what everyone is doing, people are you know going home after that and, and rethinking their strategies, getting new people involved and saying, oh, we we, we should be doing this. And so yeah, yeah. It, it's a great place for that. Well, in, 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 in this year, I don't know if it's because of the pent up demand from um, the pandemic, but the new topics that are just out of control, we got like four or five new pre-conference events just because we have to catch up from the three years that we were kind of stuck. Um, low voltage buildings going to be yeah. the going to be one of the biggest topics for the next five years. As I mentioned earlier, the 5G and in-building wireless conversation, massive. The hybrid work experience. What's that all about? What role does the integrator play in that? I mean, all I would say to people is there's so much content. Two things read the program, read the sessions well in advance, have a plan when you come to the conference, have some downtime where you can be chaotic and, and network, but have a plan of what you want to hear, who you want to go listen to, who you want to meet. Uh, and the second piece of advice is bring a team. You know, we're seeing more teams this year, people bringing five, six, seven, 10 people because they know their organizations involve multiple departments now. And, and the faster they get all these people educated, the faster these things, these happen. So um, it's, it's a pleasure, uh, working with you guys and it's been so fun over the last 15 years getting to know you and Scott, I'll be seeing you in a, a few, uh, at your event, which is another great event where you, you go out of your way to educate the industry and, and you do a great job with that. So thank you to both of you for.
not just today, but in your work on the Integrator Roundtable, but uh, for the last 10, 15, 20 years of commitment you've made to the industry. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You guys have a great weekend, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you shortly. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. All right. With that, let's bring on my favorite segment of RealCom Live. Howard Berger is going to bring us this week's news and kind of give us an idea of what the heck is going on in this crazy world of real estate technology, automation, and innovation. And it is a crazy world, Jim. <laughs> so uh, I'm this, just this, this, yeah, this news this week especially. I don't know about you, but I uh, I know one of your stories is about the hearings yesterday on um, on TikTok. And if if people in the built environment don't think there's a correlation between TikTok and their buildings, they're missing something. Because I was pretty surprised at a congressional hearing. It got pretty technical, and they were talking about relationships between hardware and firmware and software and upgrades and backdoors. All the kinds of things we're talking about in the real estate cyber consortium and, and you know cyber. So you you pick some good stories, and I'm going to get out of your way and let you get to them. Thanks, Jim. Uh, just I, first of all, I just want to thank you and and Scott and and Donnie, uh, you know, for all the continuing you know continuing efforts. They've really been helping to elevate the technology awareness and skills of our smart building systems integrators. And and get and and get them connected with constructive, fruitful conversations with uh, with their clients, the building owners that really need to understand how this works. So uh, you know, just kudos uh, and thank you for all, for everything that you do. Uh, so a couple of stories from this week's briefing it goes out every Thursday morning. If you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com and click on news. And our lead story is from a, one of our IBCon advisors, Byron Lopez. He's director of operational technology at Kilroy Realty, and it's entitled uh, aptly, Cyber Threats Keep Changing. Can your security strategy keep up? And, and, and the thrust is, I, I mean, there's a proliferation of compelling new IoT devices that are being integrated into our building networks, and they're becoming connected, smarter, more accessible by the minute. And that means... We need to figure out how to vet these new hardware and software solutions to ensure they're inherently cyber safe. Problem is, we all, and I think we all have to admit, we started valuing comfort, accessibility, and ease of use over security, and didn't pay as much attention to the increasing complexities that we we're introducing into our IT ecosystem, which have really opened up some considerable potential vulnerabilities to our buildings and enterprises. And now we're realizing that OT networks have to have the same uh, security postures as our traditional IT networks. This is a great article, uh, Byron Chronicles, Kilroy's experience and how they've shifted priorities to manage this growing challenge. Thank you, Byron. Uh, next, shout out to this week's tech partner, uh, Lightbox, who presents a case study on how one of their tech clients leveraged their smart fabric mapping platform uh, to provide spatial analytics to existing data so they could ratchet up their business intelligence. So Pivotal Analytics was the client, is a healthcare data analytics startup, and they set out to create the nation's richest patient-to-provider data set. The goal was to use predictive models to answer who and what and who should go where. And this created a real-world representation of healthcare supply and demand, which really enabled Predictive to quickly identify real estate opportunities and develop healthcare investment strategies. They looked to Lightbox, help them parse and layer the spatial data for a complete accurate picture. So th this is a great story. I encourage, the, I encourage you to, to have a look at it. Great story. Thank you, Lightbox. Um, so since 2012, uh, I think most of you know, we've been profiling and showcasing at IBCon some very outstanding examples of technologically advanced smart buildings, campuses, and portfolios, and smart districts. 
And this week we're featuring one post office square by Anchor Line Partners. It's a 41 story office tower retrofit and smart retrofits, they, they face unique challenges um, from existing legacy systems and already occupied spaces to challenging site logistics and security. One post office's makeover included converged building OT network for building management of multi-tenant spaces and common areas, automated smart parking, exterior, interior, building uh, upgrades, touchless elevators, mobile device app, baked access control, and more. So JLL, Gensler, and Ankleline transformed an outdated office tower into a sustainable building that's on a par with a lot of the new construction that you see today and provides tenants with superior user experience. So that's another great profile. I suggest you read it. Finally, um, this one got me thinking. This is a pro thought-provoking article by Laws Bain at New Atlas. So the question, question, could the chat GPT bubble be popping as quickly as it came? Or is just this, this just the beginning? So Stanford University recently announced its open source language model, Alpaca AI, that it appeared to perform very similarly to ChatGPT, and it cost less than 600 bucks to train it up. And it resulted in a lot of bloggers questioning Microsoft's multi-billion dollar investment in open AI, but that's another story. But unfortunately, two days ago, Stanford took it offline because of increasing costs and a lot of bad data. So it was a good attempt, and it may be an indicator that perhaps these incredible AIs may end up being relatively cheap and easy to replicate. Could they have an impact on white-collar jobs in society? Might we find them integrated into our phones, cars, your homes, and utility robots? Which, on the dark side, opens up a massive potential for spam, misinformation, malware creation, all kinds of undesirable use cases. So for you AI geeks, if this, any of this is resonating with you, you want to read this illuminating article on how Stanford did build this Alpaca uh, platform and what it may mean for com uh, similar competing platforms in the future. Well, Howard, I don't know if you were involved with the conversation with Larry Schachter, but he said he sent 30 uh, selfies that he took on his phone to an AI engine and it came back with the most accurate professional photo that he could have ever imagined. So the idea of having a photographer come in with a background and take your photo uh, could be obsoleted by AI within a very short amount of time. You don't even have to do a TikTok in China. They don't have it in the U.S. here. That, that platform, I uh, can't remember the name of it. Uh, it does. It has a facial filter feature that makes makes you look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous because when people see in, in person, it's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So lots there. A lot right. to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Too well, as we've been talking for the conference, too much. The, 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 the topics are flying at us. It's getting harder, complicated, more complicated. And uh, and just keeping all the topics organized as far as what, what we're going to do. We're about. making some real progress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew you were. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, you have a great day, great weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Thanks, man. Okay. Be well. All right. Before we uh, close the show and talk about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. So uh, first of all, I'd like to thank our guests um, for a great conversation on the integrator marketplace. And then we evolved into the systems integrator, smart building integrator summit. Uh, going to be a great event and anybody who's in that integrator role uh, absolutely needs to attend and of course stand for the rest of the conference. Thanks to our sponsors and as always, thanks to our great team for uh, the behind the scenes work that puts these episodes together. So next week, um, God, important topic. I remember the year was 2001. Uh, Realcom was in Dallas. We had a, a session on data standards. 
There were three people in the room, me, Mike Young, and I forgot the third person. Mike Young was running something called the Data Consortium. That year, uh, six data standards groups all thought they were the standard, and I took them out to dinner and said, I'm going to buy you dinner. By the time you're done, I hope there's one data standards group. And from that conversation, Oscar Evolt, uh, Open Standards for Commercial Real Estate. And uh, that's got to be 21 years now, 2021 20, years. And next week, we are going to have Lisa Stanley, the CEO of Oscar, with some really exciting news about their new sustainability data standards. I mean, I knew back then we needed data standards if we ever wanted to get integration and interoperability right. It's taken a little longer than I thought, but Oscar has been just sticking with it and I think may have finally found uh, a real purpose and a driver behind making sure the data is standardized uh, and we have one address for a building and not 10. So looking forward to talking to Lisa next week. And with that, you all have a great day, great weekend, be well. And I will see you next week on Real Com Live.